What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access, a TGIFFFF edition of Texans All Access. I'm not even sure how many Fs I said, but F means fun and football and Friday. And we got it all for you this evening. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. So glad to be with you on what should be a wonderful weekend, even before the game starts. Because... 99 is home. That's right. J.J. Watt back in the building today. And we're going to kick off the show with J.J. Watt. Yeah, J.J. sat down with Mark and I. And we got done with the interview. And Mark and I looked at each other and said, we could have gone for three hours. There were so many things to hit. It was like catching up with an old pal. Like, so much. We, we didn't even get into Burnley. We didn't get into uh, his brother. I mean, we didn't get into any of that. We just had so much to talk about. We were just firing questions at him. And, well, he did a great job. So here we go. J.J. Watt back home with his guys in studio, me and Mark. Let's go. Joining us now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, you've heard of him, J.J. Watt. <laughs> Welcome home. Welcome back. How does it feel to be in the building, talking to the current players, yeah. people you've known before? How's that going? It's great, man. It feels great. It's like coming home. It's like... Uh... It's like walking into your old house and seeing all the memories and you immediately start to think about moments and things that have happened in certain places and the people. Um, it's really good. It feels great. You're a softie at heart. Most of us know this. Uh, how many times have you shed a tear in the last uh, 48 hours? I haven't. I haven't. I've, You're good. I've, uh, I've definitely had some moments where it's fun to reflect and think yeah. about it. You know, um, it is still so early after retirement, you know, yeah, I yeah. think that's part of it is you're still, you know, there's a lot going on, there's things happening, but, um, I think having my son here on Sunday will be really cool because that's a moment that, uh, I have, you know, I, I have a moment with my grandpa on the yeah. field here, who's no longer with us. And now I'll have a moment with my son. Um, and I think that there's some really cool, really cool memories that I've had here. And it's going to be really special for me to show my son for the first time. What's it like seeing D'Amico run the team up close? Cause you've observed yeah. from afar. Now you see it in the building. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, obviously I know Miko and I know everything that he's about and who he is. Um, but to, to be in the team meeting today, to be in the defensive meetings today and to be able to watch him work and to watch the way he goes about his business, there's no question whatsoever why he's already been successful so far, but why he's going to continue to be successful. I mean, just the way he goes about things, the energy he has, the knowledge that he has combined with the personality and charisma that he has and the ability to connect with these guys. He's a special, special coach. And, and I told them that in the meeting this morning. I said, don't take for granted the coach that you have right now because this is, this is a special guy. JJ, when you walk in, back in the building, is it moments on the field that come back to you? Is it more the relationships, the people? What's kind of the first thing that comes back to you when you walk in the building? You know, I didn't even think much about the field till I walked out there because I, I was walking around the weight room, the training room, you know, the locker room, the cafeteria, and I think about all the memories I have with the people. So it's all it's all about the camaraderie and it's, I mean, the cafeteria workers and seeing them and giving them a hug and sharing stories with Roe and Cap and um, talking to the guys in the weight room. And it's it's all of that stuff that comes first. And then you walk out on the field, and you're like, oh, yeah, there's a pretty cool play right there. There's a pretty cool moment right there. Um, so it's fun that you have, like, pick sixes as your backup memories. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Backup memories. Yeah. Well, speaking of memories, 
So what stands out to you as maybe some under-the-radar moments? Because people ask me, like, what's the greatest game? One of my favorite wins, and maybe my favorite win, which is a little more subtle, is beating the Colts for the first time in Indy in 2015 during that season where it started out so shaky, but you ended up winning the division. Do you have a couple of those? Um, You know, there's one. Everybody always asks me, like, what was the loudest you ever heard the stadium? And there's some obvious ones. I mean, the pick six in the playoffs Mm -hmm. my rookie year. Um, that Thursday night Colts game with the fumble recovery yep. was mm-hmm. huge. Um, the pick six against the Bills was big, but there's a very underrated one. It was a Falcons game. I remember to this day, Brooks Reed and I were standing three feet from each other <laughs> out on the field. We were trying to communicate a game we wanted to run. And, I mean, I saw his lips moving, and I did not hear a <laughs> single thing that was coming out of that man's mouth. My helmet was vibrating. Like, I've been in loud stadiums before, and I've heard people talk about loud stadiums, and I, I still don't know why that day was that loud. It wasn't like a special occasion, special game, but there was one Atlanta game that I remember being insanely loud. JJ, when you came back in 19, you know, you went out in the Raiders game, and then there was this talk about, oh, he's going to miss the rest of the season, but then you come back, and you're back for that Bills playoff game, and we're down 16 to nothing. You were just kind of talking about this with social team, and you get that sack. That was loud. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that yeah, was the loudest. Yeah. I think the fumble recovery against the Colts yeah. on Thursday night was the loudest. I mean, that was incredible. But when you get that sack and we're down 16 to nothing, did you realize what you had triggered at that particular moment? What was that moment like when you get that sack on Josh Allen the game just completely changes? It was, uh, it was a moment that you could tell needed to happen. For I mean, we were down yeah. 16 nothing in the third quarter. Yeah. And I think my when I watched it was I was mic'd up for it. So when I watched my celebration after, I think like I knew in the moment that we needed something right there. And I didn't know I was going to get a sack. I mean, I sure as hell hoped, but my peck was like hanging on by literally screws and needles. Um, but I think afterwards, when I celebrated as hard as I celebrated, because I knew like this is our chance. If we can capitalize on this play and we can get this crowd back into it, and we can get our guys back into it. This is going to propel us. Now, I didn't know all the crazy stuff that was going to happen the rest of the game, but <laughs> I do think that I felt in that moment, yeah. this, this if it's going to turn, this is going to be the moment. Yeah. I got to think that all the rehab from injuries is something you're not going to miss, yeah. right? Is that the hardest part of it all? Because I know you love being with the guys and part of a team and everything, but having to come back from big injuries is tough. It's the thing that makes you retire. Like, yeah. It's the thing that makes you retire. Is the it's not, it's not the games. It's not the practices. It's not even training camp. I mean... I don't love training camp, but it's not that. It's it's the Monday morning waking up after a, a tough loss and your body feels like crap. It's mm-hmm. the injury where you go into an MRI and then you come out and they say you're you're out. You know, you have surgery coming mm-hmm. up. Like those are the things that you that make you retire. Everything about the game I love. I love practice. I love the meetings. I love going out and playing and performing with my brothers. It's it's just the thought of having to go through another one of those situations that you just don't want to have. JJ, my first year on the sideline was 2014. You had a pretty good year then. I don't know if you know <laughs> this, but 2014 was a pretty good year. You did a little bit of everything. In fact, you kind of changed the way that I look at the game book. You know, the game book's got all those stat yeah, columns. Yeah, yeah. And I've talked about, we came back from Cleveland, and you had a stat in every single column, mm-hmm. but maybe one. What on a football field do you wish you could have accomplished, not team-wise, just individually, that you wished you could have done that maybe you didn't do? Because you did a lot. Is there something that you didn't do that you wish you could have? Um, that's a great question. Throw a touchdown pass. Yeah, that's yeah, the one I probably, thought of. Probably would have been something like that, but, like, that's just that's just ridiculous. Like, I, Wait, 
And that was you sick. lined up in the Watcat. Yeah, yeah no, you were in the so back. I was field. there. I was I was hurt then, and we yeah, that was a bad. You had a throw off of that, I'm sure. Um, we should have. Yeah. Um, not much that year. It's funny you bring that up because I, like I we all knew in the locker room. We look at the stats too. I mean, everybody sees it all, and I saw like going into the last game of the season that basically everything was full, but safety wasn't on there. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> like, you're not going to get a safety. Like, there's no, that's just not, not going to happen. And then sure as like the last game, the yeah. last sack to get 20 and a half to get to be the only player to do it twice and to get the safety. Mm. That, was, that was a pretty cool. And getting that safety, I always said this, use a spin move. And that was not really, no. that was not in your repertoire, but you used the inside spin move to get that sack, which yeah. I'd never seen. It was like, yeah. that's pretty good. No, it was, uh, yeah, I agree. I barely ever used a spin move. It wasn't really my thing, but everything kind of came together on that one. I remember on that play, it's funny because I thought it was a safety, and I celebrated like it was a safety, and then you watch the video board, and you're like, all right. <laughs> I, I've seen them call that not yeah. a safety before. Yep. And the ref, they they went to look at it on video review, and I looked at the I know the ref. It was John Perry, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I was like, come on, John. Like, come <laughs> on, John. And he came back from the video booth, and as he was going, before he told the crowd, he just looked over at me and goes, he gave me a little head nod, uh, and I was like, all right. There it is. Yeah. All right, you have unique perspective on this because being an entertainer that you are and also a commentator on a national TV show yes. every week with CBS Sports. So which is harder? You spent a week with the NS SNL yeah. cast, yeah, yeah. all right? Being a cast member for that, being on a TV series because you've done that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been in the movies, yeah. right? So w can you compare and contrast a little bit here? Because you've lived all of that stuff. Yeah, I would say I, I liked and, uh, SNL the most by far. Like, I love the live aspect of it. I love the pressure of it, having to be live and having to do it. Um, and I love the audience. Like, you get immediate feedback. You know, movies and TV are much, much different in that nobody's allowed to laugh because it has to be silent to film oh, it. Yeah. So you, you could have a hilarious joke or you could have a great take, and it's silent. And you're sitting there like, damn, did I screw up? Did it's I like radio. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we can laugh at each other. And, yeah. then, and, and then there's also just so much hurry up and wait. Like, football is such a yeah. different world than that world where football, everything is on time. The exact second it's supposed to start, it starts, everything happens. There, it's like you could just wait around for four or five hours. So that's kind of the thing that pushed me out of that space. Was I? It's not my style. Like I wanted, I didn't want to know my schedule and do it. Um, and SNL was a blast. I absolutely loved SNL. JJ, I get serious for a second. Your letter to the Chronicle was amazing. I always think about this NFL players. They don't. Most of them don't play in the city where they grew up. And we know you're famously from Wisconsin, and and but you come to Houston. Why did it have such a pull on you right away? Why does Houston mean so much to you the way that it did? I mean, I think I think it comes down to knowing. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up watching the Packers, yep. and so I know the relationship that fans have with a team. And I saw a special one up there, obviously, with the Packers and with the, with the state of Wisconsin. So I just assumed that that's how it's supposed to be. And so I knew that wherever I went, I was going to try and create that same connection because that's how it's supposed to be. Yep. Now, luckily, I came to a city that is incredible and the people are great and they have such an unbelievable fan base and everybody loves football. Um, now, they might have booed me a little bit at the beginning. We didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have the, the greatest relationship out of the gate, but I think that made the story even better because instead of discouraging me, it only made me want to earn their respect even more. Yeah. And every step of the way i mean just like i said in that letter I, I was telling the story earlier i'm staying at a house in town that i rented out and the people didn't know it was me renting the house but they found out just before i got in 
and they had my favorite barbecue sitting on the countertop. Oh, wow. And they had toys mm-hmm. for my son. Like, people don't do that in other cities. Yeah. Like, people here are family, and I'm very, very thankful for that. JJ, thank you for joining us. Have fun on Sunday. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it very much. Feels good to be back with you guys, and I really, really can't wait to get back in front of that stadium. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait to see the crowd response when 99 walks in that building on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Now, I know what you're thinking. On Friday, you always start with D'Amico Ryan's, John. D'Amico Ryan starts the show. I understand. But when you have a, a ring of honor honoree, and it's J.J. Watt. Well, you know, J.J. is going to take precedent. And you know who's okay with that? D'Amico Ryan's totally fine with that. And he caught up with Mark to talk about this battle with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, Coach, last week you said you put the money in the bank Wednesday through <laughs> Friday, cash out on Sunday. How do you feel about the deposits made this week? Yeah, it's been it's been really good. Again, the guy's been attentive to the details. Guys worked hard. Right, We had – Couple high practices on Wednesday yeah. and Thursday. Guys pushed through, no complaining, no no excuses. Like I like the way our guys work this week. All right, so you're coaching a lot of rookies, and sometimes you see this explosive growth from one week to the next to the next. And I know you've been around a lot of veterans as well, but you kind of know what you have sometimes. Is it strange to coach rookies where you don't know what the ceiling is and you get these growth surges? That's what I really love about coaching is coaching the younger guys because they have so much potential, so much room for growth. And not only the rookies, like uh, the the second year guys, like Mm -hmm. that's where you see that biggest jump. And for us and the young guys that we have and seeing how they're growing, especially this week, you talk about I see a few guys taking steps in the right direction, getting better. And it's exciting for me to see. And that's what really like gives me that excitement as a coach when I can help a young man, like just take a step in the direct right direction of getting better. All right, with the Steelers, let's start with the kicking game because this seems like a big field position kind of game against these guys. Yeah, huge field position game. Uh, they're, they're punter, right? He can boom it, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of big kicks. Right? May, sometimes out kicks his coverage. We may have some opportunities here in our punt return game, right? We'll have some space. Guys just have to block, right, a little bit longer than normal because mm-hmm. he can, you know, boom some big kicks. Uh, kick return game. Also, we get the opportunity. If they hang one up, we'll see, right? right. Beck scored last week. Let's see if we can get another one this yeah. week. Who's who's up this week? But uh, that's where it all starts. They're they're a uh, very sound team in the kicking game, and you know, we've done a really good job in our kicking game as well. So it'll be a really good matchup. Like you said, it's always that game of hitting yardage, right? Can mm-hmm. we pin them deep? And that's something we haven't done. Right over the past first three weeks, like can we pin them deep and make them drive the field on us? What about them offensively? What's key to slowing them down because they mix it up real well? It seems. Yeah, they they're very very balanced offense. Right, mm-hmm. they'll take call it four to five shot deep shots a game. So we have to be on top. Make sure we eliminate the explosive threat of pickings. Right now, up front, like big guys, big old line, physical. Like we have to do a really great job of stopping the run. That's really where they want to hang their hats is. Lean on you, run the ball, run the ball, get in the third and call it two to five, and that's where they thrive, right? So we have to do a really good job, force them in third and long situations. And for us, where we haven't done a great job is getting off the field on third down, right? We've been close, but this week we have to get off the field on third down. Everyone's talking about their pass rush, of course, for good reason. How important is it to be patient on offense with what you can get? Yeah, you you really – you know, have to, these are you really have to be patient. These two guys, right? Watt, right? They, 
they they can wreck a game. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's uh we have our hands full there. We have a plan for those guys. But I think it all starts, right? How do you stifle the pass rush? It's gonna start with running the ball. Like mm-hmm. and we gotta run it. We have to be committed to running the ball. They gave up some explosive runs uh to a to a few teams this year. So that's been my focus this week is how can we right create some explosive runs for our offense. I know Damian is primed, he's ready to go. Like, can we block a little bit longer? Can we get a hat on that one guy who's been in the hole so we can get an explosive run because it's there for the taking? Coach, thanks a lot. Good right. luck. Thanks, Mark. That man, hopefully, is going to be in the ring of honor one day as player, coach, contributor, whatever it takes. Miko Rides will be in that Texans ring of honor. But we got a long time with Miko, hopefully, uh, doing some great things continuing to do great things here in Houston, but he has met this organization unbelievable. Now, one guy who I'd love to see become a Ring of Honor honoree down the road is Nico Collins. He has been tearing it up as the Texans, I don't know, number one, number two, number three. How do you decide between Robert Woods, Tank Dell, and Nico Collins? Either way, Nico has been killing it. He is one of two of the Texans with 250 yards or more in receiving, and that is... The most in the league. No team in the league has two guys with 250-plus yards receiving on the year. But the Texans do with Tank Dell and Nico Collins. And Drew Doherty caught up with Nico to talk about this one against Pittsburgh. Wide receiver Nico Collins joins us now. Nico, this offense has been rolling the last two weeks. How come? I feel like we just we clicking, man. I feel like we, we, we learning from our previous mistakes, correcting them, and just building from there. You know, I feel like we chasing, like, details each week, each game. I feel like it's something we learn from it, then we go to practice, attack it, and then I feel like those details just keep stacking each week. And I feel like, man, it's it's going to get better and better for everybody, you know, um, just game by game. And just, just staying dialed in on the details and fundamentals, man, and on your part, man, and just going out on Sunday and just leave it all out there, just having fun. And on a wide receiver level, mm-hmm. each of you guys – each week is yeah. coming up with big plays and game-changing plays. And it doesn't matter who it is, it's you. It's yeah. Robert Woods, it's Tank Dell. Yeah. What's it like being a part of that wide receiver room right mm-hmm. now and knowing what you guys are doing? Man, it's amazing, man, just knowing, like, anybody can go get you 100 yards to go crazy any day, anytime. You know, just having, you know, there's a lot of different playmakers in the room, man, like anybody, man. Just, you can't stop everybody. So I just feel like just it's a lot of playmakers, man. And whenever everybody gets the ball in their hands, you know, they're ready to score. You know, really make a play for the offense. You know, get that juice going. You know, really get the momentum going for the whole team. You know, because I feel like it's really, it, it kind of starts with the offense, O-line, quarterbacks, man. Just, we need those big plays, you know. Take a shot downfield, you know, seven, going to put it on the dot, man. Just go and make a play. I want to talk about C.J. Stroud. You said number seven in just a moment. But this is no surprise to you. You, you and I have talked about this a few times mm-hmm. recently, the controlled violence with which you're playing. Yeah. It's a part of who you are, a part of, who you've been, mm-hmm. but I think this year a lot of people you've opened eyes to it. They haven't seen that from you mm-hmm. because when you get the ball, Seth Payne, he's an original Houston Texan. He's on the radio. He's, I think he said it best. He said, "You look like Mike Allstott, the old fullback mm-hmm. from the Buccaneers, just pounding mm-hmm. people." Where does this controlled yeah. violence come from, mm-hmm. and how, mo- how important is it to your game? Man, I feel like it's well. I played running back in little league uh-huh. you know, up through like middle school. So I kind of already had that, you know, running back mindset. And I feel like it, it comes with my, my size and my frame. Being a, being a bigger frame out there, you can't play soft. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I feel like that's a 
That's a fine face off. But um, man, I feel like man, my mom said just, just go play fast. You know, whoever getting your way, just, just go. It's football. Yeah. You know, you gotta make contact. You gotta love contact, man. And um, I feel like man, once you make that first, that contact, man, it's just like, oh yeah, let's go. You know, you see, you all, you do it all for a quarter. Yeah. You know, it's really the, the, the strongest spot, for sure. And, yeah, uh, be the hammer, not the nail. You got to. Uh huh. Got to lay it, man. Well, you brought him up a moment ago, C.J. Stroud kind of in union with what you were saying about you guys as an offense, mm -hmm. every week keeps getting better. So what's that mean for him moving week three to week four? Mm -hmm. Man, it means a lot, man. You know, we, we got his back 100% of the way. And he knows, like, we, we got his back. And, you know, we're we going to do whatever for him. Try to catch every ball he throw. Tell him, like, we got you. The dude's getting better every every single week and every single day. And you can just tell, you know, just by the way he just carries himself, um, the way he just carried the team, man, and just – you can tell it's, it's, it's getting slower and slower for him, man. And um, the sky, sky's the limit for him, man. I just can't wait to see everything unfold. Hey, offensively, you and I talked back in May, I mean, before you even really got going with OTAs. I think it was April. And yeah. you said the beautiful thing about learning this offense is it's clear we're going to get the ball into the hands of playmakers and let them do the work. And mm -hmm. so far we've seen that the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. So what's more for this offense? How mm -hmm. much of a tip of the iceberg sort of situation is this right now? Man, I feel like we're just going to continue to do that. But I feel like it comes down to the small details and not those self-inflicted wounds we have. You know, just whenever we get in the red zone, you know, we got to score. I feel like we got to stay out of third down situations. Execute well on the first and second. Just keep going. You know, keep the defense on their toes. Um, you know, just keep them guessing. Because mm -hmm. I feel like you don't know who's going to get the ball. You know, you got a crazy run game. You know, you got guys on the outside who make plays. Crazy old line. So I feel like, man, it's just defense. They don't know what to do. You know, you guys you play true, you know. So I feel like, man, it's a great opportunity for everybody. You know, just have fun, make plays, you know, and get the city. Get the city rocking, get the Texans rocking, man, and just have fun. Let's talk about this Steelers secondary. There's a couple mm -hmm. guys in Minka Fitzpatrick at safety, yeah. and Patrick, yeah, Peterson, Patrick Peterson, corner. Yeah, and those guys yeah. might have yellow jackets being the Pro yeah. Football Hall of Fame facts, someday. Facts, what's what's the challenge that, that this secondary presents? Yeah, man, you, you already know. You've been watching Pat P for years. Yeah. I know I have. Same with Minka. I'm seeing him, his success throughout the years, man. But again, I feel like it's just football. Same game you've been playing your whole life. It's a matchup. You know, he's trying to stop you, and you trying to, you know, go go ball out. But I feel like you got to you got to have a mindset, like, I'm about to win this rep every rep, you know, no matter who it is. I feel like you got to trust the details, man, trust your technique, let the rest do it. Can't go out there, no fear, you know. With, with, you can't go out there with the loss already in your head, like, oh, it's Pat Peterson, oh, I already sure. lost the matchup. That's not going to be a good day for you. You know, you got to have a mindset, like, yeah, I'm about to win, no matter who it is. You've been here a few years now. You didn't overlap with J.J. White, just yeah. missed him, but clearly he means a lot. What is What are your impressions of who he was here and what he's meant to this franchise? Yeah, man, I could tell, man, J.J. was a huge, you know, person for this franchise, man, what he did on the field and off the field. The dude, the dude's got it. You know, he's a legend. He's a legend, you know, for the Texans and for the city, you know, for the whole state. You know, everybody knows J.J. White, man, but it's a great, I feel like it's an honor for him to come back, get that ring of honor. You know, he, re he really deserved that, you know, for sure. But I feel like I just want to, Talk more to him, you know, talk to him more, you know, get to know him a little bit more. Uh, he seemed like a great guy, man, great guy to be around. Nico Collins, best of luck against yeah, the Steelers, best you. of luck the rest of the season. It's always fun talking with always. you. Always. Thank you so much, Drew. Now, I don't know how other people do it and how other stations do it, but that's one hell of a first segment. J.J. Watt, D'Amico Ryans, and Nico Collins right out the shoot. Man, that was good stuff uh, from all three of them. Now, the Texans do take on the Steelers. We can get lost in all the – pomp and circumstance of J.J. being home and battle red helmets and jerseys and all that. But you got to play the game. 
and you got to knock these Steelers out. How are they going to do it? What are the keys to a win? I've got my keys for you next right here on Texans All Access. Let's go, let's go. Welcome back to a Friday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and it's time for my keys to a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, it has been a while since the Texans have beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers. In fact, our honoree on Sunday, Ring of Honor's own J.J. Watt, was a rookie. The last time the Texans beat the Steelers, that was 12 years ago, 2011, at NRG Stadium. The Texans lost in 14 up in Pittsburgh, lost in 17 on Christmas Day back here, lost in 2020 in the COVID season. So, it now goes back to Houston, or comes back to Houston, for another matchup. We only play them every three years that I can remember. 2002, 2005, 2008, 2011, 14-70-20. So I think it's every three years, um, which is a little odd. You'd think you'd finish in the same spot, but it just hasn't happened. So very infrequent meeting, but that's okay. Texans have won two, looking to make it three. So how do they make it three? All right. One, give me my music to get me hyped. There it is. Number two, let's get into our keys to the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, Steelers are 2-1. They got a hammered opening weekend by San Francisco, 30-7 at home. But then they beat the Cleveland Browns with a great defensive effort on Monday night, 26-22. And then last week, they beat the Las Vegas Raiders out in Las Vegas on Sunday night. Had some plane issues, didn't get back until Monday or Monday morning. On that flight, they had to stop in Kansas City. Uh, just a long, arduous trip. And they got to get on a flight to come back to Houston. So, you would feel like that kind of helps the Texans a little bit. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, the Steelers offense, it's not a complete and total struggle. But they're averaging just 67 yards per game on the ground. That's third to the last. That's 30th in the NFL. They're throwing it for 209 per game. That's 17th. It's about the middle. And then they're averaging 276 yards per game. That's 27th in the NFL. They've lost four turnovers, three interceptions by Kenny Pickett, who leads the offense. Najee Harris uh, is the the bell cow running back, if you will. Um, and then George Pickens is the guy we'll talk about in just a second. This offensive line added Isaac Semalo in the offseason. But James Daniels, right guard, will not play in this game. He is out with a groin issue. So, We'll see who steps in at right guard for the Steelers. So let's get into their keys against this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And if you're going to slow them down because they don't have Deontay Johnson, another one of their stars on offense, I think in the throwing game, even though Calvin Austin had a catch and run last week that was a big backbreaker against the Raiders, I think it's stopping and slowing down George Pickens. He is a magnificent talent. Ball skills for days, speed, great route running, everything you want in a wide receiver, George Pickens has it. Now, if he's that good, well, then why wasn't he a first-round pick? Well, first of all, he had been injured for the last probably year and a half of his career at Georgia. Tore his ACL, wasn't quite ready, finally came back in 2021 near the end, made a couple of key plays in the championship game, and that was that. So there really wasn't a big body of work. But when he tested, he tested extremely well. When he caught the ball, he catches it like, you know, fly traps on his hands. He's incredible. And he's got great receiver instinct, and that helps him. So the Texans' DBs are going to have their hands full. 
So they've really got to be physical with him at the top of his route stems. They've got to be physical at the catch point. And then when he catches the ball and turns to run, they got to treat him like he's Najee Harris. He's physical. He can run after a catch. That's a problem. The Texas defensive backs have their hands full, and they got to know where Pickens is on every single play. Jimmy Ward and Jalen Petrie have got to know where he is on every single play. That's where you lean a little bit. If you're playing man coverage and you're the middle of the field free safety, you kind of lean to where 14 is. you got to help out your guys against George Pickens. All right, number two is simply put Najee. Najee Harris, big, thick, hard-running tailback. He's not going to make moves on you. He's not going to try and shake you. He might hurdle you, but he is exactly what you see. He is going to run downhill, not very fast, but he is strong and physical. So if you're a not-great tackling team, uh uh-oh. Now, I don't know that I put the Texans in the not-so-great tackling team, but they have had tackling issues. But this is one of those games, and I bring up Jalen Petrie and Jimmy Ward again because they're going to be instrumental in getting to the line of scrimmage and slowing Najee down. So if that defensive line forces him to bounce, they got to fill so he doesn't turn the corner. Defensive backs, cornerbacks, they've got to tackle on the outside when Najee bounces runs. If you force him to bounce, you got a great chance because he's not going to beat you around the edge. But you can't give him downhill lanes. It's not something that he's had this year. And if you don't give it to him, then you got an opportunity to slow down that running game. And finally, muddy the picture. Kenny Pickett, second-year quarterback. He's throwing three interceptions this year, averaging one per game. And really, that's what it takes. One interception per game, one extra possession for your offense. I think C.J. Stroud and company can do something with it. But with Kenny Pickett, muddy that picture. If you're able to slow down Najee Harris, you're able to slow down the other running back. I didn't mention Jalen Warren. He's not just the other running back. That guy is really good. In fact, you can make a case that Warren probably should get more touches than than Najee Harris. Warren is tough as well. But if you're slowing them down, and now it becomes a throwing game, like it became for Trevor Lawrence the other day, now Matt Burke and D'Amico Ryans can bring out some nice little packages, and they can change the look. All disguises have got to be solid. The coverages have got to be different from pre-snap to post-snap. You've got to muddy the picture for Kenny Pickett. Because if it's muddied, he'll throw you one, maybe two. His receivers will get confused. They won't be on the same page. That's exactly what you need from this Steelers offense. Muddy the picture for Kenny Pickett. Make him step back and go, well, I, I wasn't sure, guys. That's what Trevor Lawrence was looking at last week through an interception of Blake Cashman. you got to get Kenny Pickett to third and eight, third and nine, third and long. But you can do that if the first two are taken care of. Can't let them steal five to seven yards of quick quick outs to uh, George Pickens or five to seven yards from Najee Harris when he's broken through a tackle here or there. Muddy the picture. So, George Pickens, slow him down. Najee Harris, you better bring your big boy pads and muddy the picture for second-year quarterback Kenny Pickett. All right, let's flip it over to the offense, the Steelers' defense. Now, when I read you these numbers, this is going to be – wait a second – Everybody's been saying how good this Steelers defense is, but, man, these numbers, well, take a listen. They're 30th in the NFL, giving up 152 yards per game on the ground. Now, you could argue the Texans have not taken advantage of that, but I said this before earlier in the week as I was talking to people. It's something I'll bring up with Mark Vandermeer uh, at the top of the next hour. The Texans' running game is close. It's closer than you would think. 
Put you on the numbers. No, I don't give you the numbers. I put the film on, bro. That's what I see. Very close. Now, they've had to make some adjustments in some of the things they do, and I think they'll continue to adjust. And I think this front for Pittsburgh is really good, so it's kind of mystifying in some sense. Like, wait a second. They got Wadden Highsmith. They got Larry Ogunjobi. They've got Keanu Benton. They're giving up 152 yards. I mean, I watched that Browns game. I mean, Nick Chubb didn't play for very long. Um, the Raiders got Josh, Josh Jacobs, but, oh, man, I didn't see them running for that amount of yards. So, now, the San Francisco 49ers gashed them pretty well, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Um, but those teams had offensive lines that had been together for a while and um, pretty healthy for the most part. And that's not the Texas offensive line. But that's something that kind of doghead turned like, what? Really? 152 yards per game? Well, it doesn't get much better on the other side, the, on the, other side the passing side. They're giving up 235 yards per game through the air. That's 22nd in the league. They give up 387 yards per game. That's 28th in the league. So they're giving up yards. But here's where it flips. The Steelers are number one in the league in sacks. And I believe they're number one in turnovers generated. They've generated eight turnovers. They're plus four in turnover margin for the year. Ew. Take care of the ball. Protect your quarterback. Take care of the ball. Protect your quarterback. Where have you heard that before? Oh, I don't know. The first three weeks? Same thing. Now, we'll get into the specific keys in a second. But we all know about T.J. Watt, J.J.'s brother. Uh, he's got six sacks already on the year. He's just he's just a monster already. On the other side is Alex Highsmith. He's got one sack, but that sack was a strip fumble against the Browns. Watt picked it up, scored a game-winning touchdown on Monday night. Nick Fitzpatrick, I think, is one of the best there is in the league at safety. Uh, he moves around, but it's a deep unit. Other than that, Watt and Fitzpatrick and Highsmith, those are their elite guys. After that, a lot of guys that just play physically. They play hard. They get after it, but there's a lot of depth. Keanu Benz lists as a backup, and he probably should be the starter. So, uh, Joey Porter Jr., first-rounder, lists as a backup. Could be a starter. Uh, so, we'll see how it goes. And, of course, they signed Desmond King. So, let's get to the keys. And it starts, obviously, with the guy that everybody is totally concerned about. That's T.J. Watt. Defense player of the year in 2021. All-time sack leader in a season with 22.5, tied with Michael Strahan. He is now seven years into an incredible career in Pittsburgh, and it's not slowing down. In fact, it's getting better. Now, TJ typically will rush from the left side. He likes playing that left side. And in 2020, that was against Titus Howard. And Titus corralled him most of the day. And then late in the game when the Texans needed to drive, TJ got loose on inside move, sack, stopped that drive, gave the ball back to him, couldn't stop him. They win the ball game. TJ has a knack for the key sack. The knack for the key play. He's a play creator. He can wreck the game. And the Texans have to be aware of him, which ties into number two. He's not the only one because T.J. Watt on one side, Alex Highsmith on the other. Now, here's where the players being out. Laramie Tunsil is going to be out of this one. Josh Jones is going to be out. And I would feel better if Josh were back because that would be two weeks in a row at left tackle. Three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row out of left tackle. Um, and I think Josh would play even better than he did against Jacksonville. But he's out with a hand issue. Tunsil's out. So, who's out of left tackle? This all ties in together because whoever you put a left tackle might need that extra running back help, might need that extra tight end help. George Fant's going to need probably some extra help on T.J. Watt. So, how do you go about giving help to both tackles and making sure that you get enough guys out on the pass route? So, I would expect a lot of chips from running backs, even tight ends. Slow those guys down. 
Don't allow them back inside. Let them rush high. Get a good chip. Slow them down. Give CJ time to throw. This needs to be a chip of Palooza on Sunday. And just make sure those two guys aren't wrecking the freaking game. And finally, make the magician. In the middle of the field, I don't know, man, if there's anybody better. That guy is incredible. When he's with the Dolphins, they didn't know how to use him. He's got corner skills, a safety's body. Where do you play him? Well, I don't know. And the Dolphins were just not run well at the time. Didn't have great coaching staff to figure it all out. He went to Pittsburgh, and they said, come on, we'll make, we'll make a player out of you. And Mika did. The New Jersey native showed all of his skills, all of them. Uh, and he has been very, very difficult to tangle with. And I'm worried about him. You got to know where 39 is because he's going to be around the box uh, blitzing. He's going to be around the box tackling running backs. He is going to be floating in the middle. Got to be aware of where number 39 is because you let him pull off his magic. Oh, boy, it is not going to be good. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk to Matt Burke, defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans, and Mark and I will talk about this one, including one of my not crazy theories, but a belief that I have about this Texans run game. That's next on Texans All Access. Yes, sir. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and my good friend is Deepi Sidhu. She does a great job with her deep slant interviews and when she goes behind enemy sidelines, as she does each and every week. This week, she catches up with Missy Matthews, who covers the Steelers right there in Pittsburgh. And this is great stuff. Take a listen. Deepy goes behind enemy sidelines with Missy Matthews of the Steelers. We're going behind enemy sidelines. I'm catching up with Missy Matthews. She's a team reporter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Missy, it's been it's been a crazy week for both of these teams. So let's start with the Steelers because I know that you had an unexpected short week. We're reading all about it. The Steelers plane getting diverted from Las Vegas. What what was the situation there? Yeah, as if, you know, coming off a Sunday night game on the West Coast, traveling back to Pittsburgh, you know, that's that's rough. You usually get home around rush hour. Um, but yes, we did make an emergency landing in Kansas City, spent quite a few hours there, eventually got a new plane. We were able to get back to Pittsburgh. So the Steelers were on a short week last week because they played the Browns on Monday night football. So it was kind of like rinse and repeat. Hey, we're going to do the exact same thing. The only good thing I guess you could say is that because the game was on Sunday, the coaches had their film, all the things they needed on iPads on the plane. So that process got to start a little early. Okay. So no real big adjustments for the week as far as practice or routine or anything like that coming back late. Nope. Nope. They uh, just practiced a little bit later on Wednesday, which is exactly what they did last week, but same thing for everybody. So it kind of is what it is. Nothing you can do. I'm glad everyone's safe. And here we are. Yeah. Glad to hear that everything was fine and you guys made it back safely. It's a big week for TJ Watt and JJ Watt. And I feel like the last time these two teams played here, uh, both of these players were still in the league. JJ was injured, but even though JJ is not playing in this game, it seems like it's an overarching storyline here in Houston, just because his name is getting lifted into the rafters at halftime. You know, what is sort of the question been for TJ Watt? I know he's had to address it as well, but you know, what are his thoughts on going into this game where his brother's not on the field, but he's just a big part of this game. Yeah. I mean, I remember that game too, which was crazy. That was TJ's rookie year. 
Um, right. It was on Christmas Day. And as you said, JJ was injured, but I vividly remember them throwing the football on the sideline, you know, just during pregame, uh, just with their family, which was really cool. But of course, you know, TJ's family first for everything. So knowing TJ and what I've heard him say to Houston media, look, I'm excited. TJ's grown up going to games there to watch his brother, but he is so focused on this game and trying to stack wins. I'm sure after the game, they can, you know, rejoice. Hopefully they get together Saturday night too with all their family as well. But TJ is definitely one of those guys that is always like laser focused. And because it's probably happening at halftime, I doubt he will catch a minute of it. (laughs) He is definitely laser focused. JJ even tweeted about TJ's historic start, uh, six sacks in just the first three games. So what have you seen from TJ that's made him particularly effective at getting to the quarterback this season? I mean, TJ is very healthy. You know, last year it started great with the win in um, Cincinnati, but that's the game TJ got hurt. Didn't have him for a number of weeks. And the record with the Steelers without TJ is very significant. He's one of those guys that can flip a game. Even in their week one loss to the San Francisco 49ers, TJ Watt tried everything in his power to try to pull that game back in the Steelers' favor. And he's just one of those guys that can take over games. You don't hear opposing Offensive coordinators or quarterbacks talk about the Steelers defense without mentioning number 90. And I think he has just gotten to the point of his career where he's perfected film study. He's perfected how he takes care of his body, uh, how he communicates with teammates. And you're seeing, you know, the fruition of that out on the field. All right. The Steelers, they've won two in a row and everyone's saying that Kenny Pickett is starting to look more and more like himself. So I know there's been a lot of expectations of the second year quarterback, but what do you think it is about how he's played in these last two games that have sort of gotten him back on track? And and where do you think he's improved the most here in year two? Well, I think the leadership, which is something I feel like you have to do when you're the quarterback, but he really spent the offseason um organizing things for skill players to get together, even outside of OTAs and minicamp and just doing those extra little things. He's very cool, calm and collect, but the players, you know, on offense will tell you he's very direct when he wants you to run a certain route or different things like that. So I think that communication has just grown that leadership. He was voted a team captain this year, but I think, you know, the Raiders game is where we kind of saw the, the glimpse of what we saw in training camp in the preseason, more so than the win over the Browns. I mean, you scored two defensive touchdowns. That's kind of how that game was won. But I think once they maybe hopefully get the run game going a little bit more and maybe just the consistency between quarterback and wide receiver, hopefully they can start doing all the things that we thought and hoped they would do week one. I know he's had a lot of praise for George Pickens, second-year wide receiver. We've seen his highlights on social media. So what makes Pickens such a unique threat for every other team that the Steelers have to face? I mean, he just has amazing body control. I mean, even if you go back to the Raiders game, Kenny was kind of scrambling towards the sideline and Pickens realized and he like threw his body backwards to try to help block somebody, you know, and that's just, that's not even with the ball in his hands but he has really good start and stop. He's fast and he's very physical. He is a guy who has no problem, you know, kind of getting rid of a DB to go. And they just, they're from the same rookie class. So I think they have this natural connection as well. All right. So the Steelers now at two and one, they're tied with the Ravens and the Browns. And weirdly enough, the Bengals are sitting at the bottom of that division at one and two. So what are the expectations of Mike Tomlin and the Steelers team and what everyone is expecting to be a really tough AFC North? 
I think, you know, AFC North football already started week two with the Browns coming to Acrisure Stadium. The Ravens come next week. And it's just one of those divisions where, yeah, maybe the records aren't as glamorous as some of the other ones. It's just always physical. Players always hurt the next day. You just know each other so well. And I feel like each of the teams in the AFC North have built their rosters to go against the other teams, if that makes sense. Because it's always a bloodbath. It's always crazy um, going down to the finish line of who's going to win the division. It's usually not something where a team just runs away with it. And, you know, the league knows what they're doing. That's why division games are always very popular at the end of the season. All right, great stuff. Missy Matthews, team reporter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Missy, looking forward to seeing you here on Sunday. All right, can't wait to see you. Appreciate DP and Missy for stopping by. Now, I hit a couple of these uh, injuries on the injury report slash status report because Friday, to me, it's a game status report because it tells you who's in, who's out. It does tell you how they practice throughout the week, but we talked about this a little bit, especially with the offensive line. Josh Jones, Larry Tunsil will both be out. Josh dealing with a hand issue. Larry dealing with that knee. Now, neither one of them have gone on IR yet. So, especially Larry, this is now the third game, I think, that he'll miss. So, my hope is that he'll be able to get it back here in the next week or so to get ready for Atlanta. But, remains to be seen. Josh with the hand, we don't really know. We just know that those two are out. Denzel Perriman also out dealing with a hand issue as well. Tavier Thomas is also out dealing with a hand issue as well. So I don't know that I've ever seen more hand injuries uh, in my life. Now, this is a big one just due to the fact that Michael Deere could play a lot of positions on the offensive line, and with some uh, upheaval, if you will, on the offensive line, you just never know what you're going to get. He's dealing with a chest issue. So I believe it probably happened Thursday in practice because he wasn't anywhere on the, the injury report Wednesday. Thursday he went to limited. Friday he went to – DNP, he is questionable. So four players out, Tunsil, Thomas, Paramount, Jones, out. JG, Shaq Griffin, Shaq Mason, Jalen Petrie, they're all full participants dealing with a myriad of things. Out for the Steelers, starting off its alignment, James Daniels dealing with a groin issue, he's out. And Presley Harvin, the Steelers punter, is out dealing with a right hamstring issue. So those two guys are now out. So the Steelers are going to have to find themselves a punter, but – Everybody else had been banged up during the week. Players that include Connor Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, who's key to their defensive line, and also Allen Robinson, wide receiver, and Darnell Washington, the big tight end rookie out of Georgia. They are all in. So kind of about what we expected. We've been looking at that, that list of guys of Jones, Perriman, Thomas, Tunsil all week. Kind of figured they all would be out. Um, that's what you know. Aaron Wilson, who is the key to all that, he's got sources, and he said they'd be out now. How long they're out, we don't know. So Texas still dealing with some injuries, but as we talked about in Keys, you know, look, some guys got to step up. Who that's going to be a left tackle, we'll find out on Sunday at, uh, oh, I don't know, probably about 11-15 when they go out on the field and warm up. Um, it could be a rotation of guys at left tackle. I'd imagine everybody else kind of stays the same. Maybe they move Fant to left tackle. I don't know. Um, but it's going to be uh, kind of interesting. But you got Jimmy Ward back. You got Jalen Petrie back. Um, at safety, that's going to be good. You got Eric Murray, who played very well against Jacksonville. Um, he's going to obviously be in the mix at safety. You got Graylin back at nickel. You got a lot of different things you can do with that defense now. Um, you will miss Denzel Perryman, there's no question. You definitely miss Derek Stingley, but Shaq Griffin played well last week. Um, you got Graylin playing in the nickel, so the defense got to stay and mind their P's and Q's. And if they can stay on it and do so, then I think they've got a great opportunity to slow this Pittsburgh offense down, as I mentioned. But if you can force them to punt, man, 
that'd be a good thing. That'd be a great thing uh, with their punter, Presley Harvin, out of this game. So, a lot of things to consider, but that's your game status report for this one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We get back, we got Matt Burke, who is going to join us, defensive coordinator, plus Mark and I discuss getting to talk to J.J. Watt, talking about this game against Pittsburgh. We'll do all that next to kick off our second hour of Texans All Access. We got a one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access, a very special edition because it's Pittsburgh Steelers time on Sunday, plus J.J. Watt goes into the ring of honor. Appreciate you being with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, and Mark and I had a chance to catch up with defensive coordinator Matt Burke, who also has a history with one J.J. Watt. We welcome into the Hyundai Texans radio studio defensive coordinator Matt Burke. Coach, how has preparation been for this one this week coming off the win against Jacksonville? Uh, it's been good. Obviously, uh, you know, high spirits kind of getting the victory uh, and just uh, guys have done a good job of refocusing, getting back to work this week. So it's been uh, it's been a good start to the week for sure. Coach, I know this is probably the easiest question yet, the hardest one to answer. What was different from week two to week three? All right, wait, let me go back. What was different from week one to week two, two to week three? Yeah, I think I would say that, you know, what we've been preaching, obviously, is just sort of the do your job mantra. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot uh, the last couple weeks, the first couple weeks of some communication errors and technique errors and stuff. And I would just say that, uh, you know, we kind of cut down on those. And then really, I mean, we just made some timely plays, right? The big plays, obviously the turnovers, I mean, the stuff on offense with the big plays. But uh, defensively, I thought, you know, obviously getting our hands on the ball a couple times and and uh, some of those things like just sort of were, were the difference. How hard is it to coach young players, rookies in this league for the first time? And they're flying all around, they're excited, yet they need to focus on technique at the same time. How hard is it to work with that kind of clay and mold it? No, it's great. Uh, you know, you know, you, you like those, especially our young guys, I would say they're all eager to learn and, and want to be coached. Um, you know, you never want to put a damper on enthusiasm and, and energy, and, and that's something that we preach. So, you know, the youth brings a little bit of that to the table. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's just a, it's a matter of working through some of those sort of early season mistakes and things, maybe, you know, plays they haven't seen before or just situations they haven't been put in all the time. And you hope that you bank those reps as the season goes and those guys get more time and, and, uh, and they can kind of grow from that. Along those lines, Coach, communicating during a game – with a rookie wearing a green dot like Henry Toa Toa and getting the message and having, to Mark's point, having a young player delivering the message to the team. How was that on Sunday? Coach talked about it a little bit with us, but from your perspective, how was that communication front to back with Henry as a rookie doing that most of the communication? Yeah, I thought him did a great job, man. Really, really, really did a great job um, in that aspect, particularly. Um, we put kind of talked about it early in the week and put it on. I'm like, hey, man, like you've got to run this show. This is your huddle. You're gonna be in front of it. Like nothing happens till you say right or left or whatever call we're making. Um, obviously, having you know a guy like Jimmy back in the back end to help uh, bridge that gap. Um, I always say this stuff, man. It's just like uh, when when it becomes the cool thing to do, like everyone wants to to be part of it, you know. So now, like we're trying to make it cool to communicate, and, yeah. Yeah. and cool to be on the same page and talk. Yeah, and now yeah, it's yeah. sort of like building and and uh, you know hopefully getting Jalen back in the fold and Jimmy. And you start having those guys that 
that that are in those roles that it just becomes what part of everybody yeah. does. But uh, Henry specifically did a really good job uh, controlling that that group. Yeah. Defensive coordinator Matt Burke with us. Coach talked about put the money in the bank Wednesday through Friday, cash out on Sunday. That mentality, that sounds very catchy to me. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. So is that message, I know it's being sent, how is it being received? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's no different. Like, uh, you win a game and everyone feels good about it, but you can't forget, like, what got you to that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, you know, as much as you talk about like losing affecting you know your next week or kind of doing this like winning can do the same thing and you can't get complacent you can't forget man how I mean we grinded last week and really put mm -hmm. the work in to to be able to perform that way so it's got to be a reset you know they always talk about that 24-hour rule in the, in the league where good or bad you have to put the game behind you from Sunday you know you have Monday to review it Tuesday or off we come back in Wednesday man like it doesn't matter anymore right you've got to go back through that same process that got you to a victory you got to go through that again this week, you know, and so you can't get complacent feeling like, oh, I got it, right? We figured it out. Like, that that never happens. So um, I think the guys are bought in and, again, just trying to just associate that, associate the work and during the week and in this heat and doing the stuff we're going through, what we've been through these first two days here this week, like associate that with the results on Sunday and so kind of keep that train going, hopefully. Coach, it's weird near AFC. We don't play the Steelers often. Played him in 20, played him in 17, played him in 14. I don't think we played mm -hmm. him in any, I mean, it's been that for the last, um, excuse me, my 10th year on the sidelines, the third time I think we're going to see him, or fourth time we're going to see him. That being said, what have you seen from the Steelers' offense? Can you pick it at quarterback, a front that, I don't know, a lot of people kind of know around Houston, like, what the Steelers have because we really haven't played them. What do you see in the Steelers' offense? Yeah, it's, a, it's they do a really good job. They've, uh, you know, it's a very sound uh, offense. They've got playmakers um, you know, obviously 14 on the outside. Pickett's doing a really good job of uh, distributing the ball to those playmakers. Uh, the tight end's a good player. The yep. back's a good player. You know, I mean, they've got some good weapons. So we've got to be on on our spots. And um, a lot of respect for, for, you know, that program and that organization. And Coach Tomlin, like, they've historically always been a good team and done a great job, and they're well coached. So I think that's what you just see kind of the through line of all that. They're, they're a sound, disciplined, well-coached team. And when they get the balls, you know, in in their playmakers' hands, then stuff happens. So we've got to we've got to be on our on our stuff this week. All right, is Legends Homecoming presented by Ford? JJ Watt goes into the Ring of Honor, and we've been asking everybody, what is your prevailing what maybe memory <laughs> moment thought? What comes to oh. mind, Coach? Because we know you have direct knowledge. Yeah, man, that would be it's gonna be a hard to boil that one down. Uh, again, got got the the honor and the privilege to to coach him for a season last year. Um, you know, as a kind of a you know, knowing when it was his last season and kind of an emotional uh, note to to everything mm -hmm. that he was going through. So kind of I think that probably helped our bond connecting through sort of that, him going through that process. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, man, some of these I like, probably can't tell on air. So, um, <laughs> But honestly, I always just t said, like, you know, it's funny, all the superlatives you, you, you everyone says about Jay, like that, that I, I showed up in Arizona – and like he was in the building, it was February or whatever, and he was in the building. Yeah. And every day, like the work that he put in, like that greatness, um, his accomplishments, his achievements, they don't they don't come. We just talked about putting money in the bank. I mean, mm -hmm. he worked every day, like to be great, you know, and and to be a great person, and to be a great you know member of the community and organization, all those things, a leader, you know. So uh, you know, it's no surprise to me just having spent that short amount of time with Jay, like what his accomplishments are and, and what his future is going to hold and, and things. So I think it's really cool. And, 
um, I just I think like the Ring of Honor thing, just you know, it's a permanent legacy, mm-hmm. and you know, for you know, he's starting his family out. He's got a young son, and and probably more to come at some point in his life, and and future generations. Like to to just know that like that's going to be there for them to understand his legacy and what he left behind is 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 just an awesome awesome thing. So I'm so happy for him. I'm proud of him, and I'm excited to kind of be part of it again this weekend. Matt, this. Maybe a weird question, but were you surprised when he said he was going to hang him up? Because watching him last year, he didn't look any worse yeah. for the wear. I mean, he looked like he could well, still was, put up 10 sacks. Yeah, that was all coaching. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, was 12, I mean, of course. sacks last year. So he made the right move yeah, then, probably, at that yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, were you surprised that he, he did decide to call quits? No, you know, he had, he told me, I don't know, it, I, you know, pinpoint maybe halfway through the year. Or uh, we were just kind of casually brought it up. Like, man, I think this is it for me. And, um I would just say this. I think he could do it, no yeah. doubt. Like, he had 12 and a half sacks last yeah. year. I mean, obviously, he was still productive. And um, I think, you know, for him, you'd have to ask him this. But I just think, you know, the standard that he held himself to, yeah. he had to put that work in. Like, for him, there was no other way, right? Like, right. I'm going to take my month off, and then I'm right back to work. Right. And, and I'm working the whole year and stuff. And I think – you know, with his family and those things going on, like he's like, man, I don't know if that's the commitment I right. want to make. And if I'm not going to make that commitment, I'm not playing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, all, I'm doing this one way. There's only one way he's ever done it. And if he didn't feel like he could do it that way, then I don't think uh, it yeah. was all or nothing for that him. So, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was fun to be around. That that was a cool experience for me. Yeah. How does it change the way you coach when you're around a player like that? You're around young players like we talked about. You're around a veteran like Watt, who's a future Hall of mm-hmm. Famer. How does that affect the way you approach all the players? Because everybody's a little bit different. Sure. They might need some different instructions. Yeah, I think that's just part of coaching. I mean, I always thought coaching was, you know, making connections, you know, finding triggers that that get guys to play or to, to achieve whatever their level is that they can achieve. And so uh, he was no different. You know, he's obviously a demanding player uh, that's, you know, has a history of, of you know, success and, and how things work for him. So, like, just – you have to be on it with him, you know I mean? There was no, for me, like, he wasn't going to take any nonsense coaching. But, like, again, that's just how you reach him, you know what I mean? And there were guys in the room that I had to coach a different way and be harder on or less, you know, whatever. I think that's just part of coaching. I, Like I said, like, I try to find connections with all the players and mm-hmm. that I've worked with and, and figure out what makes them tick and, and what motivates them and, and try to push them in that direction. So, Coach, do you see some of those type traits in Will Anderson – um, and I know he's a young player, and I mean, it's hard. I mean, as I do my draft stuff, the one player I never comp anybody to is JJ because <laughs> I saw everything he did. Yeah. But now I'm watching Will Anderson. I see a lot of the same things, like Mark and I'll watch, and like, man, that's the way JJ went about things, like just so serious and sitting in the front row at a meeting and those kind of things. Do you see kind of some of those same somewhat traits in Will Anderson? Uh, I, I do. I do. I've, I think I've been asked this question in a, in a different form before, and just I always said, like, part of what makes JJ great is his consistency, yeah. you know, and, and not that will came, but will, you know, he's six months into this thing, right? Yeah. You know, JJ did it for 12 years straight in and right. out, injured, working back, playing the same way, working the same way. So I think greatness sometimes is a reflection of consistency of that yep. level of achievement. Uh, will's laying a great foundation. Uh, he does have a lot of characteristics and traits that, that are noble. Um, and, and that remind me of what, what Jay was like. So, uh, you know, talk to me in 12 years. Maybe yeah. we'll have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck this week. I appreciate it, guys. All right, great stuff there from Matt Burke, defense coordinator for your Houston Texans. And, Mark, first of all, we always know J.J. is J.J. It's funny because when 
JJ went there. He calls him Jay. Yeah, uh, th- that stood out. You and I talked about that a little bit. Hey. I'm not going to call him Jay, but no, way. I'm not going to call him Jay. Hey, Jay. No. I could say two syllables. If it would have been three, I would have been a little bit, you know, I would have been a little bit uh, more difficult. But I won't do that. We'll call it. We'll call him JJ. Um, you know, you and I have not talked this week about this game in particular. We haven't. We talked. You know, we talked to JJ earlier. We talked to D'Amico. You talked to him about the game a little bit, but you and I haven't talked about this game. What's your gut telling you about Sunday? I think the Texans should be able to move the ball on the Steelers. That's my gut. Texans should be able to get some things done. They should be able to at least be effective enough to score. I'm going to put the number at 20 and a half. That mm. sounds like a Vegas kind of way of that, putting things. It's a very good I'm Vegas say way of doing it. 20, 21 points. And I do believe they have what it takes to slow them down. I've, in fact, if you go... Hey, defense against the Steelers offense, I feel pretty good about that in this building. I think everyone's going to be jacked up sky high. I know there are going to be a lot of Steelers fans in the building, but it's still your home gym. And I don't think what happened against the Colts is going to happen here in this game where the defense comes out flat. I think the defense is going to come out firing. They've learned their lesson. They've put the money in the bank on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think they'll be good to go to at least slow them down. I feel good about having Kenny Pickett at quarterback instead of Richardson or Minshew or whoever. Yep. Uh, but, you know, they watch all the tape, too. The other thing about pass blocking, about T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, how are you going to deal with the, this defensive front of the Steelers? I think they'll have just enough to keep the ground game going and C.J. Stroud another week of maturity because, like I said with D'Amico in the interview, you don't know where the ceiling is with these rookies. Let's keep growing together yeah. and see where it takes us. So, you know, I can't say, yeah, lock Texans over the Steelers. I think it should at the very least be a very competitive game between these two. And a ho- I hope the Texans come out on top of the fourth quarter. Yeah, one thing the Texans offense, boy, I can't say this, can I? Hannah's going to be really mad at me if oh, I say no. this. Oh, no. Texas haven't turned the ball over much. Oh, she's going to be upset but you but know here's what the flip side. i think right now she's at uh, a reception here's the so flip side this is why i was gonna say it's a key mm-hmm. because the steelers have turned teams over eight times yeah. in three games you gotta watch out they're for plus that. four in turnover margin and they've given it up four times which i mean that's a you know over one time a game and they've picked off or recovered fumbles a total of eight times so they're plus four in turnover margin that's been a massive key for them because if you look at numbers their yardage totals are in they're not Steeler like they're 387 yards a game mm. those that's not great numbers however they're first in sacks they're first in turnovers generated yeah and there's there's your ball game right there just not not turning the ball over Garoppolo threw for a lot of yards yes. now they were trying to catch up at right. the end and everything but he, he also threw, threw for a, three picks yeah three picks and the pressure affects that yep. so CJ's going to have to be very careful with that And, you know, they know Garoppolo well here. Yes. So they're looking at that tape thinking, okay, how can we avoid the mistakes that Jimmy and that passing passing attack made against the Steelers? How can we avoid those mistakes in this gym? Because in that building in Vegas, the Steeler fans took it over, Mm -hmm. and it was a monstrous celebration every time they did something good. So you have to avoid that here. Yeah, absolutely. The other one, week one, the Steelers faced the 49ers offense. And I thought Bobby Sloak said something that was pretty interesting and I'm paraphrasing um, what he said on Thursday, and that was, you know, we're the we're the Texans' offense. Yeah, we're we're different. We're evolving, and that was one of the things that stood out in that podcast I listened to um, this offseason from Jordan Rodriguez, the Athletic. 
Um, it was focused on Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur about how the, all of them came from seemingly the same branch of the tree, but those branches have evolved into their own thing. Yeah. And I think that's pretty interesting, and I think Bobby Slowick is seeing this offense evolve into his own thing and the Texans' own thing. One of the things, and I know I've said this to you during the week, I was in here um, watching uh, last week's game, and I said to you something that kind of had you shocked in some sense. I said, man, the run game is close. Yeah. It's really close. And you're like, well, why, why do you say that? And as I'm watching, there were at least two or three plays, in, including on the first series, when it was a three and out, we're going, this looks terrible. It was one block away from springing a really big run from Damian. And I feel like it was really close to springing a couple others, too. But I think they started to find a few things. Even in the fourth quarter, they went to a little bit more power game. You know, mm. Shaq's pulling around and knocking out a defensive end. Kenner Green pulled around one time, banged out a defensive end. They might find something that works a little different than worked for McCaffrey and the Niners running backs. They might yeah. find something that works a little bit better. But I felt like the line itself played very well. And even in the run game, they were doing some good things. And I feel like, man, it's it's close. Are the Steelers that defensive unit that you can say, okay, we're breaking through? Well, 151 yards on the ground, they give up a game. So yeah. if they can do if they can just get to a hundred. That's a big that would be their season high. If they I, that get to hundred. If they get to a hundred, I don't know that, that I'm ready to say stamp it, it's a W, but if they're getting to a hundred, they are putting a ton of pressure on that Steelers it defense. It depends what kind of hundred. Is there a forty yard yeah, run mix, mixed it's in there? Point. Is it a steady diet? And are you not turning the ball over right. in the passing game? Yeah, good right? point. How are you on third down? I just like to see this what's next for CJ Stroud phenomenon. Yeah. Because it's funny, people are still talking about at Ohio State he did this, so he should be forget about Ohio State right now. That's over. That is yep. so long gone. The Georgia game. Are you kidding? He just torched Jacksonville, yeah. the defending division champions in the National Football League. Let's forget about Ohio State for the moment here. He's played in some gyms already. I've used that word too much in this. That's segment. right. But no, Jacksonville, Baltimore. Now he's home again for the second time in the regular season. Let's see what he cooks up here. I know the O-line is all beaten up, banged up, but I love the way he talks about them. I think they can't help but feel better about their situation because of him yep. and wanting to play that extra that extra push over the cliff these go to 11 kind of effort <laughs> for him I really believe there's something to that yes. and I'm hoping it plays out on Sunday against the Steelers and I really feel it with this staff Johnny we talk about it Bill O'Brien used to talk about this too every week is different you know one and OCs and all that kind of stuff I believe they believe that. Let's yeah. just build up the team for this week. We'll worry about next week. Right. Next week, that'll be on Monday. Right now, Steelers, game plan, one game season, see what you can accomplish. Absolutely. And I think part of the nice thing about this schedule is the fact that you know every single game is at noon. Yep. Every single game. So there's a routine. There's a da-da-da-da-da-da play. Da-da-da-da-da-da play. There's not this da-da-da play. Da, da, da. You know, there's yeah. there's a rhythm to playing every single Sunday, uh, which which I absolutely I love. One of the reasons, you know, on Sunday as the game is winding down, and I am thinking about you know post game interview and such, I walked over to uh, our guy on the sideline, Everett, and I said, "Hey, if we win, now we were up twenty at the time, but yeah. you know, you I never know. See, crazy things happen. Sure, and so I was like, if we win." Can I get Jimmy Ward in the locker room? And he kind of looked at me like, 
And and a lot of times, he and Omar will give me a player for post game. Let's had an interception, or they set a career high in tackles. You know, like Henry mm-hmm. against the Colts uh, was tied for the team league in tackles. So they gave me Henry Toto after the game, and I asked for Jimmy Ward, and they kind of looked at me like. I think one of the major differences in week two to week three was Ward's presence. Sure. I think another difference from week three to week four is going to be Ward with Petrie mm-hmm. in that back end. Mm-hmm. And I understand people like, ah, oh, there's safeties. You know, what can they do? They're not going to. They're extremely helpful. Petrie can get TFLs and Absolutely. Sex. And I think one of the things in weeks one, second half of week one, and then week two, and a little bit in week three, you don't do as much on defense without Petrie. Yeah. And I think he adds kind of that mix to what you can do defensively. And now you got both of them. And for I the think first both, time. For, for, the, for first, the first time, yeah. yes, absolutely. And I think that's gonna be that's gonna be massive. I I think you got better linebacker play last week. Blake Cashman's addition back to the lineup was massive. Um I think up front they did a pretty good job. This is a different challenge. The this Steeler line I think is probably on par with the Jags line. But again, it's going to be a tackling show. It's Najee Harris. It's Jalen Warren. They will produce yards after contact because that's what they have. They don't. They don't have big time speed. You know, Najee's big. Um, Warren is is stocky. There's no so, Le'Veon Bell on this team. Yeah, there's not somebody that's just going to make you miss. Mm-hmm. You know that they're going to run right at you and challenge you to to come tackle them. 25, 30 times in this game, and that's what that's what the Texans are going to have to do. And I feel better about that with Ward and Petrie. Because if they need a break, now you're bringing in a fresh Eric Murray or a fresh MJ Stewart, and they give them an opportunity to go off the field, get some rest, or just get ready for the next set of downs. And I like I like that. I like that mix. But when that mix is stretched, oh, boy, um, here we go. Now, I thought Eric Murray played really, really well. And so uh, I'd like to see him get even some more time back there. Not quite a rotation, but... You know, for every two series, maybe he gets a series in there sure. just to show, um, to give those guys a break. But I feel like with Ward and Petrie back, that just gives them, it gives them juice. And it gives them, like Jimmy showed last week, really good open field tackling. There were a couple shots that Jimmy landed um, that might have been five to seven yards down the field, but I promise you, they felt them. They, they felt them, and that matters. And this week, it's going to be feeling it, but also making those stops at one and two yards, step second and eight, second and nine, not turn into second and six because you can't bring them down. It's a different Steelers team, right? You've yeah. got to make this game one in which Kenny Pickett has to win the game for them. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Get the lead. Make them play from behind. Make them have to make plays yeah. in the passing game. I know they have talented guys. I know Pickens is good, and Pickett has his moments. He threw two TDs last yeah. week. But last week was a game where they had the lead, yep. right? you got to get out on top of them and step on their throats here. And who knows how good this Texans team can be this year. But we got a little taste of it last week, and we want to eat more. Yeah. I think one of the – I've heard this term used or this phrase used, and I really, I really like it. When I heard it, I was like, ooh, that's good. I feel like certain teams want to drag you into their mud. Like they're they're happy sloshing around in the mud. Yeah, like the and Titans. They, want, they right. They want to bring you. They want to bring you into the muck because they know mm. if they get you in the muck, they got you. Yeah, you can't get pulled into the Steelers' muck. Right. You can't get pulled into that sort of game against the Steelers. You've got opportunities. The defense probably isn't quite enough. They've got elite players. Don't get me wrong. With Watt, Highsmith, Minka, they got some dudes now, um, and they're strong up front. But there's no Cameron Hayward. That helps you. I don't know that the corners are great. Patrick Peterson seems like he's 85 years old. Still playing well, 
but he's not what he used to be. Um, Levi Wallace is a guy they, they picked up last year in free agency. Let me, if you get the ball off, you got a chance yeah. again. Let me ask you this this way. You do have opportunities in this passing game. You yes, hold you up in production enough times. Yeah. Look, you might take a few sacks, but if you hold up enough times yep. with these pass catchers, what yes. we've seen so far, there are opportunities against the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you're running the ball, I don't want to say forget about it because it's going to be that great, but it's going to be a lot better, obviously. So let's see if they can get the mix they're looking for. You know, they, you know, you throw for 380 plus last week. You don't want to have to do that. You want to be able to throw for 280 and run for one plus and right. get out of there with the victory. Don't turn it over, play clean, have your defense make stops, be good on third down. We'll see if they can get that formula going this week. And if they get that formula going, uh, then hopefully we're going to have a happy day celebrating after 644-day drought at home. Ooh, that's, that's a lot of days, that's Johnny. Gotta, that's got to end. That drought has to end. 644? 644. December 26, 2021, October 1st, 2023. Ooh. And it's even longer if you go back to the last time the Texans won two in a row. So... I'd like yeah. to break that one as well. I didn't do the math on that one. I did the math on the other one. Uh, so, yeah, let's go get a W Celebrate 99, uh, and it'll make for a good weekend as we get ready for the Atlanta Falcons after that. Speaking of the Falcons, they play early against the Jags in London. I'll have my pick for that and every other NFL game straight up and against the spread for fun. For fun next right here in Texans All Access. It's a TGIF. F edition of Texans All Access. Thank God it's Football Friday. I could have put a couple of other Fs in there, but then it probably gets obscene, and I can't say that uh, per the FCC on radio. But I appreciate you being with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And this is the one time all week where I really get to kind of challenge myself. It's a competition to see how I do as we go around the NFL and I make my Picks straight up and against the spread for fun, for fun. Everybody's clear for fun, right? Got it. But it is fun to talk about these games. Now, I will be honest with you and tell you, I would be 0 and 2 because I picked the Packers to win, and they were they were the underdog, so they'd won, they would have covered. But I missed that because the Lions ran all over them, like I hope the Texans do on Sunday to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So. We got a ton of other games. We only got one Monday night game this week, which kind of stinks, but that's okay because we got one London game. So that's where we're going to start. But I need my music. Bring me my music. And not me singing either. All right, there it is. So let's get it started at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is like 2.30 London time, as the Atlanta Falcons go to London to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is part of the Jacksonville Jaguars two-time a year trip over to London. They'll play the Falcons. Then they turn around and go to Tottenham and take on the Bills. Now, they'll be the road team against the Bills, but the home team in Wembley on Sunday. The Jaguars infrequently lose over in London, and especially playing at Wembley. So, do they have enough juice to get it done? Jacksonville's favored by three over across the pond. Atlanta only scored six points last week. Now, the Jags struggled in the first half, didn't score any of the first half against the Texans. I think the Jags bounce back, and they get this win, and they cover the three. I think Trevor Lawrence will bounce back. I feel like what happened in Jacksonville either sends last week, sends their season in the toilet, or it gets them going in the right direction. 
everything I read and heard after the game, press conferences during the week, was all about, man, I don't know what happened, but we better get our act together. So either this is going to be a kumbaya moment, what happened against the Texans, or they're just going to crater. I'm going to go with the other one. I think this is kind of a kumbaya moment for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They get it done. They beat the Falcons, who then arrive back in Atlanta and await the Texans in week five. But that's next week, so we'll get to that then. Noon games. Oh, boy. This is the matchup of the week. Josh Allen via Tua. Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. Defensive lines on both sides that are top-notch. This one is going to be a blast. The Miami Dolphins at 3-0 coming off a 70-20 trouncing. Trouncing of the Bears. Uh, excuse me, the Broncos. Face the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park, New York. Buffalo is favored by 2.5. I love this game. I hate having to pick it. But I feel like the Bills are going to make the right adjustments. They've seen the Dolphins now three times. The Dolphins are going to have to make adjustments in this game because the Bills' defense is the best one they've seen to this point. So I'm going to go with the Bills at home to cover the two and a half. I'm going with the Bills feeding off that crowd. The Bills need a big win. I think since that Bengals loss in the playoffs, there have been a lot of questions, kind of like you're looking at the Bills going like, all right, what are you guys? Well, this is that opportunity. They beat the Dolphins. They go to 3-1. They'll go to the top of the AFC East, right where a lot of people thought they would be. Dolphins win. Now they put two games of distance between themselves and everybody else in the AFC East, and it is chasing maybe the uncatchable. But I think this weekend the Bills are going to be that team that slows down the Dolphins. So Bills cover that 2.5 and, and win the game at home outright. And then there's this. So it's like a sine curve. You see a sine curve in math. Like you go up, and that's the Bills Dolphins. And then you come down. That's the Bears and the Broncos. In Chicago, a noon game, both teams 0 3. How did last week go? Well, the Bears lost in Kansas City 41 10. The Broncos lost 70 20 in Miami. Now, how do you even try and make hide no hair of this game? Denver's favored by 3.5. I don't love that at all, but I do think Sean Payton's going to get it together. So I'm going to go Payton and the Broncos to win, but the Bears are going to cover. It's going to be like a 17-14, 21-18. It's going to be a three-point game. And it's the Broncos who will leave with victory number one, but the Bears are going to get a cover. Ravens taking on the Browns. A lot of Ravens out of this game. Rashad Bateman, OBJ, Ajabo, Owe, both out. Boy, the Browns maybe without Deshaun Watson, it could be DTR time. That might be a good thing for the Browns. The Browns are favored by one and a half. I'm going with the Ravens. This is kind of a heart and head thing. I want the Ravens to win. My uh, heart says Ravens. My head has to say Ravens on this one as well. So Ravens, go get the winning with all those guys out. Beat the Browns and get them to two and two. It's in Cleveland. It's always a tough place to play, but Lamar has won games. Even when he's had to go to the potty during the games, he's come back out and won the game. So we're going Ravens to win and cover that one and a half. Vikings and Panthers, another game of 0-3 teams. Wow. In the same weekend. Minnesota's favored by four and a half at Carolina. Bryce Young will play. So I'm giving the Panthers an opportunity to get inside the number of four and a half. But I'm going to give the Vikings a win. Now, if the Vikings lose, there is a lot of noise around Kirk Cousins potentially going to another location as the Vikings uh, 
don't do so well with a quarterback draft that is loaded, especially at the top of the draft. And there's been a lot of talk about Kirk Cousins not coming back, coming back to Minnesota as it is. So I'm going with the Vikings to kind of change all that. They'll get a win, but I think the Panthers will get a cover and get inside that four and a half. Rams taking on the Colts. Anthony Richardson is back, baby. This one's even. This is a pick em. Straight up pick em. Rams, Colts. I don't love Richardson playing against the Rams because Minshew is playing pretty well for the most part. The Rams, kind of a mess at times, kind of look good at times. They're in the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes. Maybe, at least that's the latest rumor I heard. But I'm going to go with the Rams. Again, hard head situation here. I don't know that much separates these two. Vegas thinks the Rams are better. I'll go with it. I'll go with the Rams to beat the Colts in Indy because, A, we want it to, and B, I think it'll happen. I think they'll frustrate Richardson, and Stafford will do just enough to go get that dub. Good game in the NFC South. Bucks taking on the Saints. Bucks coming off a Monday night loss to the Eagles. Too many mistakes. Saints coming off a loss where they had a big lead against the Packers and blew it in the fourth quarter. Derek Carr, uh, dicey for this one. So New Orleans is favored by three at home. So Vegas is the same. Bucks and Saints are the same. They do not like each other. They do not like each other. These two teams, for whatever reason, I know they're in the same division. Like, I get it, but I kind of don't. So, in terms of hatred, I'm going to go with the home team. So, I'm going to go with the Saints to get it back together, uh, even if Jameis Winston has to play quarterback. All right, another noon game. You got the Commanders taking on the Eagles. Eagles are 3-0, Commanders 2-1. I think reality sort of hit last week for the Washington Commanders, uh, losing 37-3 to the Bills at home. Now they go to Philly. I think Philly's about to turn the corner. They're back at home after a Monday night game away. Philly's favored by nine. Let's lay the points, take Philly to win, and cover that nine. Bengals and Titans. Oh, boy, here we go. Traylon Burks is out for the Titans. Um, you could argue they're number one receiver, depending on how you classify he and DeAndre Hopkins. Titans didn't move the ball at all. The Bengals got a win last week. That's what they needed to do. Bengals beat the Rams at home on Monday night. They needed to do it. It wasn't pretty. The offense is still not clicking. But they found some new ways to use Jamar Chase. I think that's going to pay off as the Bengals – Go to Tennessee, which they've done before, and beat the Titans and cover that two and a half. Road favorites, I hate, but I like this one because I just don't know that the Titans can do anything offensively to put points on the board and challenge the Bengals. All right, let's get to our afternoon games on Sunday. Raiders and Chargers, both one and two, out in Los Angeles. Jimmy Garoppolo, not sure if he is going to play, even if he's out of concussion protocol. That way... I just don't see the Chargers not winning this game. So the Chargers, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm taking the Chargers to win over the Raiders. And Devontae Adams will probably get even more upset. Patriots go to the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are six-and-a-half-point favorites. I feel like there's something really wrong with this line. And I know the Cowboys did not look good against the Cardinals. Like, I get it. The Cowboys have one of those games where they just trip all over themselves every single year. But when they have one of those games, they're so talented, they usually bounce back the other way. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to beat the Patriots by two touchdowns. This is one of the kind of those one of those ugly games where Belichick afterwards is, we're on to our next opponent. Whoever the next opponent is for the Patriots, I think that's going to happen here. Dallas wins 35-14. That covers the six and a half. Then, in the afternoon, out in Santa Clara, the Cardinals, the plucky little Cardinals, they're 14-point underdogs, so last week's win over Dallas didn't sway anybody. I think the 49ers are going to win this game by more than 14. They're going to win this one 31-14, a 17. 
So Cardinals lose, and the 49ers win and cover. Chiefs taking on the Jets. Travis Kelsey and his girlfriend, what's her name? Um, I forgot her name. Anyway, she's going to be there in New York, apparently. Kansas City's favored by nine on the road. Zach Wilson's not played well. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win this game. But I do think the Jets are going to keep it closer than people think. So I'm going to go Chiefs to win, Jets to get inside that nine-point spread. And then you got Seahawks-Giants. In New York, Seattle's favored by one and a half. That's about right, I think. I think Seattle will win this game. Maybe not going away, but I think they'll win it by five to seven. That covers the one and a half, so let's go another road favorite. Seahawks beat the Giants in New York. All right, there you go. Your prediction straight up and against the spread for fun. We get back a little Drew's Dozen with Nico Collins right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texas Radio Studio. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Glad you've been with me as we did my picks, my keys. We heard from Mark. We heard from JJ. We heard from Matt Burke. We heard from D'Amico. We heard from Nico Collins. And we're hearing from Nico Collins again. Now, the first segment is serious football stuff with Drew Doherty. We should probably just call it that. It's the serious football stuff interview with Drew Doherty. This is the kind of lighthearted, wacky, fun interview. We call it Drew's Dozen as Drew chats up a player and asks some questions they probably weren't thinking they were going to be asked that day until they find out, hey, you've got an interview with Drew today. Oh, man, what's he going to ask me? Well, let's hear what he asked Nico Collins right here. Nico Collins, the mm-hmm. animal you would least like to be around is what? A lion. A lion. Mm. Okay. Gorilla. Gorillas. Yeah, those two. Sneaky strong. Yeah, very. Unpredictable. Mm, you never know when they're going to you know, flip that switch on you. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Got any pets? I do. I have a rock robin. Oh, boy, girl. Yeah, got a boy. What's his name? Uno. Uno. Like the game? Uno. Oh, like the game. Okay, yeah, okay. got him during COVID because, you know, I love playing Uno. Uh-huh. Favorite game. And, you know, I feel like he, he, he looked good. So, I feel like one name Uno. Uno's a good name. I like it. Yeah. So, how much food do you have to buy for Uno on, like, a regular a lot, a lot. I normally just go to Target and get the, the big bag. That's probably, what, 70 pounds? Cost a lot. That's probably like $100, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I get mad every time. I swipe my card. Like, why does <laughs> dog food cost so much? But, you know, I feed them that and I give them some ground beef or whatever. And they get the protein. Now, you're a big, strong football player. Yeah. But does Uno sometimes take you for a walk or are you taking Uno for a walk? It depends on Uno C. Yeah. If you see something you like, you're still taking me for a walk. But, you know, I try to, I try to get him right, you know, get him in his command and, yeah, I was by my side. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Rots are smart dogs. That's yeah, uh I love you know him, sounds man. like a fun guy. Yeah, like he him. is. He's real cool. Yeah. Like that. Does he do yeah. any fun tricks or anything? Nah, well, he, he liked to play with his tire. He has a tire he played with, like a small like car tire. Uh-huh. Spread tire. Yeah, that's his little thing. Like he throw it up, toss it around. So he's like I a football player. You guys yeah, flip tires to stay in shape. Yeah, Easy. same thing. Easily. If you didn't set an alarm, what time would you wake up in the morning? Seven I seven fifteen, seven thirty. Not bad. Yeah. But I'm going right back to sleep, though. Yeah. It's one of those. Uh, yeah, I'm up too early. Nah, I'm going to go back to sleep. So good, good. There are a few better feelings in the world than uh-huh. waking up knowing you don't have to go anywhere mm. and you get to go back and roll, roll back over and go to sleep, right? Two best feelings. What are the, what's, what's a better feeling than that? Is there one? I mean, yes, there is. It is. Yeah. It is. But knowing, like, you got a lazy day. Yeah, alarm go off. You can shut that thing off. Use the bathroom real quick. Come back. Nah. Get your feet right. Bundle up right, man. Just lay down. Get your feet right? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, you know how you lay on your side? I like lay on my side. Oh, okay. Left side. You know how you kind of just rub your feet together. Oh, oh. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right, we're going on a road trip. It's you, and you get three teammates. Who's coming with you? What are the other three? Who are the other three? Oh, I can only get three? Yes. Okay, what are we doing on this trip? You're going to go to Florida. Okay, beach trip? Miami, yes. Mm, so you like got to go chill. all the way down. Mm, Miami, I got to take a Florida dude with me. He know Florida. I'm going to take my boy Brea. Brevin Jordan, okay. Take my boy Tank. Tank Dell's a uh, Daytona Beach guy. Come on. Who else in Florida? There's a lot of cats in Florida. I might take my boy DP. Denzel Perryman? Uh, no. Um, Another <laughs> DP. Oh, Damian Pierce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pierce. He's, yes. Yeah, yeah. Played at Florida. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, Who's I'm a teammate? Uh, okay. You, doesn't mean you don't like him, but he's got to roll separately. He's not coming on the road trip. Who's oh, that? I ride with Dal Dalton. Dalton. Okay. Dalton. He's got to be. He's on the outside looking he's in. On the outside looking in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, we had Devin Singletary on last week. Mm -hmm. He chose Austin Deculus as the guy who's got to ride alone. <laughs> he got to ride alone. Yeah. What are yeah, the snacks? I can see that. What are I the snacks though? What are y'all bringing? Or drinking. Ooh, drinking. Okay, snacks for sure. You got to bring a sour patch kit. Mm -hmm. Sour con. You got to bring um hot Cheeto. Ooh. Hot fries, whatever you your suggestion. Suggestions up to you. Uh, you gotta have a Gatorade, blue pair, the blue. Yep. What else? Beef jerky. Ah, uh, I'm not really a beef jerky guy. Oh. Yeah. Chips for sure. Like love Doritos. Mm -hmm. What else? I'm about, I'm about all the snacks. You gotta okay. have some water. What are you guys talking about? What's the conversation? We're in Miami. Trying to get on the boat. <laughs> get on the yacht or something. <laughs> Float the city, you know, just see how that is. Uh, for sure, gotta hit the club. Nightlife. Gotta enjoy nightlife, man. Yeah. Gotcha. I feel like that's like a mandatory, like, you gotta go to dinner. Whatever the conversation is that's gonna get brought up, you know, I feel like there's no, no ceiling. You know, they just open up to anything. Let's talk about family. Mm -hmm. Your family's going on the family feud. So, Ooh. which of the family members mm -hmm. is gonna be the one that has the most inappropriate answers? That makes Steve Harvey just do the face towards the camera. Yeah, he just looks. Yeah. I love family. I watch that like every day. Ooh, I say my brother. My older brother. Okay, what's I his name? Deshaun. Deshaun, okay. Yeah. What's he gonna do? Not do nothing, but I feel like his answer is probably gonna be like, bro, why did you say that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just one of those, but I feel like it'd be him. Okay. Not everybody. What are some of your favorite football movies of all time? I got a couple. I got a couple. Friday Night Lights. Really? It's number one. Booby Miles. It's my go-to. Booby Miles. Booby Miles. So sad, yes. Yeah. Booby Rest Miles. in peace. I remember the Titans. Okay. Any Given Sunday. Solid. During Good Fox. movie. Yeah. I was in that movie as an extra way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, you got to show it to me. Uh, you don't see me or hear yeah, you me. Don't. I promise I was in there. I, I believe, promise. I it was believe. that scene where uh, the guy that got pushed, the reporter. Yeah. Pacino has a press conference and apologizes. But Pacino, Cameron about. Diaz, that yeah. guy. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah. I feel those three. Those three. Those, those are good top ones. three. Yeah. I feel like nothing gonna beat those three. I like those. It. I like, it. like solid. Very good choices. Solid movies. Which mm -hmm. teammate of yours is the funniest? Man, I'm not gonna lie. We got some characters on the team, man. I feel like JG. John Bernard is Bernard, funny. Dude, he's hilarious. How come? Just like the jokes he made, man. Just like just being around him, I swear you're going to laugh at least once a day, twice a day. <laughs> just like mandatory, you're going to laugh. A couple guys on the old line Austin Douglas. Austin Douglas is funny, huh? He's hilarious. Man, it's, it's a lot of people, man. It's a lot of people you, you least suspect that's like funny. Grenard and Deculus. So those are two yeah. I've not heard before. That's Grenard, really Grenard number one for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you were not a football player, what would you be doing? I feel like I'll be coaching. Yeah? Yeah. I like coaching like the youth. Cause I have two little nephews, you know, they're in sports. I was in sports as well. And, uh, like, I like just seeing them just, you know, just ball out at a young age, you know, just showing them the rights and the wrongs, you know what I'm saying? Just sure. watching them grow. So I feel like just the youth, I feel like I'd be a youth football coach. Yeah. Or just being around the youth. You learn a lot about so, yourself, man. You do. You do that. Yeah. yeah. Do, are they playing all sorts of sports? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. They're playing football, basketball, and baseball. There you go. All three. Just letting them just pick one and just have fun. Coach, mm-hmm. thank you so much for the time. Oh, that's it? Can't wait to do this again. Oh, that was quick. Anytime. I got you. <laughs> oh, being interviewed by Drew, uh, it must be just a blast. I mean, I would love it. I mean, what we do in the lab, he doesn't really interview me. We talk together on In the Lab, which if you want to check that out, go to our podcast page, HoustonTexas.com, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, however you get your podcasts. That's where you can get In the Lab podcast with Drew and myself. We had a good one this week talking about J.J. Watt stories, talking about this game, talking about our under-the-radar players, etc., etc. So make sure you go check that out in all of our content, Instagram, X or Twitter, depending on what you call it, HoustonTexas.com. You can see the write-up I had on C.J. Stroud after he, it was announced that he won Offensive Rookie of the Month. He is the fifth Texans rookie to earn that honor. How many of them can you name? Go check out my By the Numbers article. So everything you need there is at HoustonTexans.com. we got a lot of people to thank for tonight's show. we got Nico Collins, who we just heard, Drew Doherty, who we just heard. We have Matt Burke, defensive coordinator for you Texans. We had Mark Vandebeer on the show, obviously. We had, well, I said Nico. We had D'Amico Ryans. We had Missy Matthews, who covers the Steelers at DP City. And we also had Justin James Watt, a.k.a. 99, one of the greatest that's ever laced him up. It was great to catch up with him. It was great to see him and kind of recall the great times that we had covering him. Just amazing, an amazing young man. I can say that because I'm in my 50s and he's not there. He... I used to think a lot, man, what's it going to be like when he retires? I don't even want to be there for that day. But you know what? Uh, I'm, I, was, I was so pleased and so happy to see him today and see he's doing well. And hopefully uh, his Texans will do well on Sunday because that's what he would want. As a ring of honor gift, how about the Texans beating his brother's team on Sunday right there at NRG Stadium? I can't thank you guys enough for being here. Thanks to my guys back at 610. We'll see you on Sunday, bright and early. The pregame show, Texas Countdown with Sean and Seth, will be at 9 o'clock. JJ, I believe, is on at 10.30 with them. I'm on at 9.15, so you got to make that appointment listening. Uh, Then the game with Marc-Andre and myself, and then the postgame show with Sean Pendergast and Clint Sterner. And hopefully it'll be one like last week where they're discussing a Texans win. And I'll leave you with two numbers. Mark and I talked about this um, as we were kind of wrapping up shop today. 644 and 1,039. What are those numbers? Well, it's been 644 days, Sunday will be, from the last time the Texans won a home game. December 26, 2021. I remember the date like the back of my hand. 644 days in between wins. A win over the Steelers can end that. It's like one of those you know days since last you know, somebody's injured, you've seen those. 75 days since last work injury, and then that thing goes to zero. We want ours to go to zero. 1,039 days since Thursday, November 26, 2020. You wonder what that was. Well, J.J. Watt had a pick six against the Detroit Lions in a win for the second week in a row. It's the last time the Texans have won two games in a row. Thursday, November 26, 2020. That's 1,000. 39 days ago, 644, 1,039. Let's end those streaks on Sunday. One win ends them both. And boy, that would be nice. Let's get a zero up on the days without a work injury card, if you know what I mean. Got it? Good. All right, we'll see everybody on Sunday in Energy Stadium. Be loud, wear your red. It's going to be exciting. 
And of course, I'm going to cheer for one number 99 on that day. See you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.